0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to this Cambridge Health Tech Institute podcast for the FAST Congress on Functional Analysis and Screening Technologies, taking place this October 28th through the 30th in the Boston area at the Meridian Cambridge MIT Hotel. I'm Anne Wynn, an associate conference producer for the event, and I'm delighted to have with us today one of our keynote speakers for our Engineering Functional 3D Tissue Models meeting, Dr. Karen Berg. She's the Hunter-Endowed Chair and Professor of Bioengineering and Director of the Institute for Biological Interfaces of Engineering at Clemson University. Karen, thanks so much for agreeing to chat with us today.
1: Oh, thank you for the opportunity. I'm looking forward to meeting everybody in Boston.
0: As am I. Um, So my first question for you, what compelled you to focus on 3D tissue engineering within the bioengineering field? And um, how does your research fit in with the environment and the resources and opportunities you have at Clemson?
1: So I actually started uh, my postdoctoral career working for a breast cancer surgeon who was interested in a biological engineered replacement for women who'd had a mastectomy or a lumpectomy. And so when I launched my faculty career, it was really based on uh, this idea of tissue engineering, uh, a replacement part or a, a tissue or an organ for people who had need for for um, tissue or organ repair And so, from that, there was a natural extension to using the same technologies of tissue engineering to developing diagnostic uh, types of systems or 3D systems. So, essentially, the same concepts uh, combining cells with materials that could be used either to develop new drugs or to screen uh, whether or not a a patient, uh, a certain therapy, or an implant was appropriate for a patient. Um, And that that seemed like more of a near-term goal um, of tissue engineering and a wonderful application for tissue engineering. As far as the resources and the environment at at Clemson University, as you would mentioned, I I do uh, direct the Institute for Biological Interfaces of Engineering, and that is a research institute and an education and training institute that was set up specifically to encourage multidisciplinary um, interactions, and our tagline is actually that innovation lies at the intersection of of disciplines and I truly believe those are where the leaps forward uh, are derived and so for me the environment is perfect um, because these problems are complicated. Building 3D systems is is quite complicated and requires input from everything from the business um, world to the scientific materials world to the biology world and everything. Everything in between.
0: Excellent. Sounds like it's a really suitable uh, place for you to be doing your work. Next question, Uh, one key component of tissue engineering that you've highlighted is cellular adhesion and the interactions between cells and biomaterials, as well as cells with each other. What have been some of your methods and findings in this area?
1: It's actually kind of interesting to me, and and this again is the, the benefit of being in a multidisciplinary institute, and that is that we're sort of brought up in a discipline with a specific culture or way of thinking, and so being brought up in the materials world, and my background is as a chemical engineer, you know, I tend to think of things from the materials perspective, whereas our biologists think of things from the biology perspective. And the reality is there's a handshake between a cell and a material. And so both components are equally important, but the neat thing about working together is we are able to trade uh, perspectives and ideas and understand that it really is a, it is a handshake. So we're able to design materials knowing that the material will influence or how we design some design perspective will influence how the cell behaves and i don't think um you know again i think as as biomaterialists we we tend to sort of selfishly think the world revolves around you know the materials and um as as life scientists i think tend to think you know similarly that uh, the material is nothing more than a a carrier container and you know there's sort of separation between the two and um so some of the things we've been able to uh, to show uh, first of all, you know it may seem like an obvious thing, but there is no one size fits all material and so uh, what I enjoy is designing what I call platform systems so that we can make a system that has basic properties, but we can tweak it or tune it and if we understand the material properties and we understand um, cellular behaviors, then we can build a platform that can be tuned to support something like soft tissue, so breast tissue engineering, but it can be tuned to the completely opposite extreme to be able to support uh, bone tissue, for example. And so, um, you know, a lot of our work focuses on understanding the materials and really creating a a toolbox, essentially, to be able to tune materials um, according to a specific application, and down the road, obviously, according to a specific patient's need, so uh, personalizing the, the cellular material to that individual.
0: You've also focused on absorbable materials. Um, so can you explain their relevance to tissue engineering systems and your work in that area?
1: So absorbable materials have been around since the beginning of time, I'd like to think. Uh, um, and, and really, one can argue the suture is probably the, the earliest, you know, one of the earliest um, clinically uh, available absorbable devices and something that was available in widespread fashion. And essentially, the idea is that the material breaks down over time if, if implanted and, and removed from the body. And so, that's that's a pretty powerful type of of, of concept. Uh, I was trained as a chemical engineer, where we were taught that, you know, really you were looking for things that were stronger and would last longer, and you did not think in terms of of materials breaking down. But for biomedicine, this idea of a material that that breaks down is quite intriguing because it means the material can disappear from the body and have that handshake for the amount of time that's necessary, but then in the long run disappear so that it doesn't cause any lingering effects after after the fact. So, we can apply those same materials to building diagnostic systems so that we can, uh, again, tune the material so that it has the appropriate characteristics that will stimulate cells to be able to grow into an appropriate tissue and then disappear over time. They're, they're actually called degradable if they're in vitro because they're not absorbing. Um, absorbing relates to b- being removed from the body. But the same concepts apply that uh, they can... They can break down and serve as a temporary scaffold and essentially give cues to the materials to form, uh, to form a specific tissue. And it becomes quite important, again, to understand the material and the material properties uh, so that one can design a platform technology that can be tuned uh, to various extremes.
0: You've received a lot of support for your projects, not just from Clemson, but also the NSF and DARPA, so the outlook for this kind of research seems promising. What are your predictions for 3D tissue engineering in the coming years? Um, What do you think will be possible, how will it be used, and what may be necessary to help this kind of work evolve?
1: We're also, funny you should mention the funding agencies, we're, we're also funded by the Avon Foundation, and we're involved in a new challenge that they've launched with the National Institutes of Health called their Breast Cancer Startup Challenge. So I think part of my answer, um, I hope we'll be able to find out fairly shortly. Basically, uh, the National Institutes of Health and Avon have taken um, ideas that have been supported through their granting mechanism and have put them out for in a business plan challenge to business schools across the, the United States with with the concept that the business schools will write uh, proposals and write business plans to see how they perceive, you know, the market and um, how they see the technologies fitting in with with the reality of the current state of of business and uh, commercialization. So, hopefully, I'll have, have an even better answer for you uh, shortly as far as near-term term effects. Uh, really, what we're moving toward is just in time diagnostic systems. In other words, if one is using a diagnostic system in the in the clinic, it, it really has to be something that doesn't take uh, multiple days to grow cells, doesn't have to be sent out for analysis, is something that can be used immediately and quickly to have the, the most impact. We also need, uh, in order to build the systems, uh, you know, to, to develop the correct type of system, we need more work on the instrumentation side for... New technologies that can non-invasively monitor the systems. Uh, right now, it's fairly limited, and so we're studying you know, multiple systems to be able to understand how cells are behaving over time. Ideally, one would want to non-invasively monitor uh, monitor a system. I think we also need systems that have a reasonable shelf life. Again, thinking clinically. Uh, thinking about manufacturing, thinking about availability in a, in a hospital, we need things that are fairly simple and rudimentary. And that, that's a challenge because, you know, as scientists and engineers, we tend to get really excited about the work. And, you know, the more complex, the more excited we get. And that doesn't always um, pair well with, with industry. So there'll be a definite need for more communication between um, academia and uh, research labs and the commercial world.
0: Absolutely. And what will you be sharing during your keynote presentation at the Engineering Functional 3D Tissues Model meeting um, on October 28th?
1: Oh, if I told people now, they wouldn't come. That's true. But uh, But the answer is that we will be talking about different types of three-dimensional biomaterial systems, uh, specifically for breast tissue engineering. I'm going to use that as the model, even though I will allude to the fact that these are good platform ideas and technologies. We'll also talk a little bit about biofabrication, so ways of producing these systems in mass relatively quickly. We'll talk about. I think it's easier to talk about the the opportunities and the excitement, and but I think we also need to talk about the challenges and what is per, perhaps preventing us from um, having these technologies in in more widespread form immediately. And I'll also touch a little bit on, on a system that we've been looking at. Um, in the realm of it's a uh, tannic acid delivery system, or we found it's a three-dimensional system, and we found that uh, tannic acid has a um, is a powerful potential anti-cancer drug, particularly for ER-positive um, application, ER-positive breast cancer application. We'll talk about how that fits in the domain of a 3D tissue
0: system. Great. And I have to say, this is a really fascinating area of research to me. So it'll be really exciting to see how it'll develop and um, how it'll affect research and just uh, human health in the future.
1: Thank you again. I'm very excited to be a part of this. And again, I'm looking forward to to good discussion in Boston.
0: Excellent. We're really looking forward to seeing your presentation. Um, So thank you, Karen, for your time today. Thank you. That was Karen Berg, Hunter Endowed Chair and Professor of Bioengineering and Director of the Institute for Biological Interfaces of Engineering at Clemson University. She'll be giving her keynote presentation for the Engineering Functional 3D Tissue Models meeting on Monday morning, October 28th, during the FAST Congress this October 28th through the 30th at La Meridian Cambridge, MIT in Boston. This is Ann Wynne for Cambridge Health Tech Institute. Thanks for joining us for another podcast.